0: Hi, my name is Peter Moe and I am from Tourism Ireland's Nordic office in Copenhagen and we will be talking about one of the most Irish traditions, Halloween. Therefore, I'm joined by Clodagh Doyle, keeper at the Irish Folklife Division in the National Museum of Ireland. So, hi Clodagh. Hi Peter, how are you? Good, how about you?
1: Not bad, not bad. We've got nice weather at the moment, so I don't know what, for the next hour or maybe, you know.
0: All right, well then let's say, uh, let's get on with this so you can go out and enjoy it, hey? Eh? So can you tell me a bit about what you do and the museum?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I studied Irish folklore um, and, and archaeology, but now I get to work with the Irish Folklife Collection, which is the normal people's everyday objects um, from the last 100, 150 years. So it's really an ethnographical collection and basically an Irish Irish objects um, associated with our culture and I work in the National Museum for the last 25 years and now I'm the keeper of this collection so I'm the manager of that collection and I'm based in Mayo in the west of Ireland not in Dublin where the most of the National Museum is so it's so nice. You, I'm out the countryside.
0: So our listeners have to go to uh, County Mayo to uh, come and see real Irish traditions come to life, I guess. Yeah. And uh, speaking of uh, Irish traditions, is it true that uh, Halloween is originally an Irish tradition? Because I always associate it with it being American.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely Irish. um, But really, it's Celtic. It's a Celtic festival. And we in Ireland, we're probably the insular Celts. We're the, the most ingrained Celts and then there's European Celts um, and they kind of merged with other people but we were probably more isolated especially being on an island and um, so yes it survives a Celtic tradition survives longest and strongest in Ireland and then it goes to America the idea of it yeah so it's you, it's not an American festival but it um it is a Celtic festival and an Irish
0: one. Interesting okay so how do we then celebrate Halloween in Ireland? How How is it done? How was it done, I, I got to say? Yeah. And how do you do it now, it's maybe? Still,
1: yeah, it's still done, really. It's really one of the strongest surviving um, of our festivals. And the fact is, it's really, really ancient. And it's probably going back to much more pagan times. And, you know, I'm sure it's very similar for your Norse audience that the idea of... Um, The seasons and the year was was so important to communities in past, our previous ancestors. And, you know, it was really important to kind of look to the weather, the seasons, the land. And so people took much more, they were much more aware of what was going on. But the biggest thing in the Celtic year would have been two halves, the dark half and the light half. And the dark half starts on the 1st of November. And that would have been traditional in Nordic um, traditions as well, to have that two halves of the year, brighter days and darker days. So, yeah, so Halloween is the evening before the first of November. And it's, it's kind of knowing that that's, it's the time you're coming into really dark days, dark nights and short days, and people kind of know that that's the end of summer. And that's what Samhain means. It's the old word for Halloween. It's Samhain and it means end of summer. So Sa- Samhain? Samhain, yeah, yeah. Samhain, so okay. um, we call the night before that, we call it Iha Hauna, which is the genet- genitive of night of, of Samhain. So the night beforehand right. is Iha Hauna.
0: So, um, so Samhain yeah. is basically so, a passage festival going from the well light to the dark.
1: That's it and the end of it's and it's a kind of it's a it's a kind of coming in at the harvest so it's your it's the end of the you've got everything in that the land can give you you've picked every berry you've got all your you know apples you've got your nuts you've got you've got anything you could forage is off the land and that you need to put it all away for the winter and then you are stocked up for the winter and you you, you know, you, you you have a lot of surplus time. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And so you've got this big surplus of things. And that's why a lot of the time in Halloween, we associate it with apples and nuts and people going around collecting apples and nuts, but also for a little party, but also lots of games with apples and nuts, you know, lots of bobbing for apples, putting uh, that's apples in a tub of water or and you kind of have to put your hands behind your back and try and take it out with just your mouth you know things like that That probably things yeah a lot of games and and maybe an apple on a string and two people trying to get that and it's swinging like a pendulum and you're trying to get it and not hit yourself in the face but you need to get a bite of the apple so that's some of the games that are played you know on on, and still are mind you yeah, mind you in covid times I'm just not sure whether any of the games can go ahead, you know.
0: Well, I mean if you follow the restrictions and you do it with uh, I'm I'm don't do it with a stranger on the street, but probably you could do it with your close family that you see all the time. Anyway, how did Halloween then become this scary tradition that we know today? You know, nature is dying and everything on the land is dying,
1: and I suppose that's the sign that it was kind of a darkness this dark season is coming in but it's kind of associated with death because you've got that death on the land people remember the dead and you know that's it yeah it's a it's associated with death and that's where death kind of comes in so
0: the death of the land the the changing season and then yeah. the remembrance of probably who who's been lost in the past so that's that's how halloween became scary is,
1: is yeah that a- or that's- it is because, um, because I suppose, you know, people were celebrating their dead. And I suppose Celtic people didn't really quite believe that when you were gone, you were really gone. You were just in another world. You So, so you were in another world. The dead were in another world and that there were connectors between this world and that world and other worlds. And often Druids and different people would be the connectors that could infiltrate those and and find those connections. But the fact was that people really believed that at the time where there was a season change, it's quite a monumental time. So they feel that there's a kind of, every time there was a seasonal change, the evening before was quite, superstitious people were very superstitious and they believed that you were much more in tune with the other world at this time because you're not quite in, you're in a liminal place so you're not quite in winter and you're not quite in autumn you're in this kind of yeah, the, in between time Yeah,
0: in between the transition times they exactly. I think as well in the Nordics but most folk history they have this it's always the thing when it's transition everything crosses over so dead living like yes. the spirits everything is crossing over That's very interesting.
1: Yeah, it's like when you would celebrate Saint John's Eve, you don't celebrate Saint John's Day, which would be obvious. You know why not the day? You know why 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 not his feast day on the 24th of June? Why are you doing it on the 23rd and having your bonfire then? Because the fact is, it's always the eve. It's always that that eve is really important. But there's a huge amount of superstition as well, and and because people were connecting with the dead and be- they believed that they had an opportunity to come back. So sometimes people left out a meal positively and left something nice for the person, their, their dearly departed one, maybe left some food out, you know, something on the table um, for them. So there was an idea that you wanted your departed people to come back and feel welcome. So that belief was there, and the belief that the dead, but then people believe the dead are kind of walking around and on the move, on the move. And I suppose that's where we get this scary element, because there's a feeling then, well, if they're scary, and, you know, there's if you're out and about, and it's really, really dark countryside, you don't want to bump into anyone on Halloween, because they could be a ghost or a, of a podcast, person who had died. Yeah. Mm-hmm. but the thing was even though it's positive in your own house people knew that people were aware that the dead could be in limbo and might need to be traveling so people decided well this is a good opportunity to scare the living daylights out of
0: anybody and, and make mean, presumably sure. there would also be a lot of food left outside
1: yeah that's it well not necessarily outside inside because our weather is so bad but certainly the fact was that You know, people knew that people are going to be worried and scared. So if you put on a scary costume and you we know electricity in Ireland till the 50s and 60s. So and even now, you know, it's really, really dark. But the countryside is dark. And, you know, anything like that, there isn't there wouldn't have been major lights on in even houses so everything could be very scary but if you were out and about and somebody came in a white sheet and scared you you'd be very scared you know that's
0: true i have a question just because you mentioned that the um there was all this food that was set aside to the uh, the dead is that possibly where trick-or-treating came in
1: Yeah, well, trick and treat is kind of because people um, were going from house to house, sometimes to scare people, but then it becomes more that the children go from house to house and they get um, a treat. And the treats would generally be bits of fruit or nuts, sweets now, of course. Um, But in the past, it would have been just small little things. And children would say, you know, when I grew up, I would say, have you anything to help the Halloween party, which means give us some donation for the, the party I'm going to have later with my stat, you know. Um, well, but that's fine. Yeah, that's the treat, okay, but the tricks, because people are kind of playing tricks on other people, a lot of the time they throw a cabbage at the door of someone's house and, you know, and then somebody would open the door and there's nobody there, just a cabbage on the ground and, you know, or, People would, people do, we call it knickknacks, but it was when you actually went to somebody's door, knocked on it and ran away. Did you do that as a child?
0: No, I lived out in the country. It'd take too long to run away from the house. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) Well, Yeah, you'd you'd be be spotted. I mean, they'd just flash a light. You'd be running, you'd be running for a while before people would be able to see you.
1: But if you did it at night, you might have got away with it. But so at Halloween night, people would often do that. And then they would often as well play tricks on people. And, you know, in communities, it was very important in communities to, um, well, to get married was really important because people wanted people to get married. If they didn't get married, it meant they weren't in that the community thrived because there'd be more children. And we'd have a lot of villages in, say, Ackle and County Mayo, deserted villages because they, just, they don't continue because the community doesn't continue. So there was a big emphasis on getting married, you know. But the thing was, I suppose, the people who didn't get married were often the butt of the jokes. So they were the kind of the spinsters and bachelors who had not married were the people who often got the jokes played on them. So old man, whoever he is, he'd be the one who's the play the trick on. And sometimes there'd be tricks like, you know, the man might have gone to the, to the pub for some drink and he'd come home and his horse and cart would be, had been dismantled and put between the, the, between the fence, so he wouldn't understand. How did that happen? You know, how could that have happened? Things oh, like that. That's that. Or, that,
0: that, that that's leave the question: Did, did they dismantle the fence first, or did no, they, dismantle they dismantle the horse, horse cart, which is the easiest? Yeah. <laughs> Seems like a lot. That's incredible. That's a lot of work. That's effort silly. put into a prank. Yeah. I wish I could do that.
1: Yeah. Just silly sort of mischievous things and sort of fun and pranks that are kind of silly and like, or even. Putting something and blocking someone's chimney so the smoke goes all the way down into the house and smokes right. them out and right. silly silly things but annoying things and that's the mischief so i would think that trick or treat you want your treat because give me this
0: or else you get a trick and tricks wouldn't be so nice get your no. cart dismantled and put back together inside a fence yeah that's uh yeah
1: yeah and you just go around the town and just running running and knocking on doors you know that would be normal because people would be afraid of a knock on a door at the time you know and um, so i suppose that is something um about kind of the trick and treat element and and when i was telling you about the getting married was really important that features so strongly in halloween night um like halloween night is the time Because as you said, it's that in-between time. So you can foretell the future. You're much more, it's much more of an opportunity for you to foretell the future at that time. So people really believed that, you know, you could, you could do things like one of our big traditions would be the barmbrack. You wonder what that is. Barm Barmbrack. Barmbrack. It's kind of like a, a cake. Basically, it's a cake. It's a speckled kind of um, cake made of malt, and it has lots of fruit in it. That's why it's speckled. And brack means speckled in Irish. So the boring brack is this cake, the speckled cake. And in that cake, besides all the salt, the, the dried fruit and the raisins and sultanas, there used to be always they put in sheepbell ring, but the ring would be. Say so, you know the sort of rings that bulls would have, or a ring that a sorry a pig might have. So there's something like that. But anyway, people would All put rings. All right, but the ones in they
0: have in, in the in the nose, kind yeah, of, in, yeah, in the bulls and so stuff which, like in, in in old movies, yeah. I guess. I have I don't think I've seen one actually.
1: Oh, I see them all the time locally, Um, but yeah, but little, a little ring anyway, and the thing is, or it could be made out of plaited straw, or we've one on display that's made out of plaited straw, and we've a small little metal one that would have gone through a pig's nose. But the thing is, it's, those are the, the little rings that a ring would be in the cake, and the symbolism was that if you received that cake slice with the ring, you were due to marry within the year, you know? Um, So that was the very important. And also in the cake, you might have a gold coin. um, And of course, there would be um, maybe a small bit of a rag. And that would mean that it was poverty. And that would be... be be Yeah. And then the other thing would be maybe a thimble to suggest that you're going to be a spinster. Spinster, And you're not going to get married. Yeah. 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 A button, you're a bachelor, you know, and... And, like, sometimes there was a crucifix in it to say that you're going to take up religious orders. And, you know, and when you think about it, in Irish families, in very large families, often there was a priest, you know, in the past. Oh, right. Not Is now. There, right. Yeah. So it wouldn't have been so odd. Yeah. And, uh, and then sometimes there was a little stick put in it and a small little twig or something. And that meant you were going to be beaten by your spouse.
0: Horrible. Wow. <laughs> I mean we could probably figure out some new things to put inside a barn rack Barn rack
1: yeah it's Is brilliant and it um, we could definitely um, I think my children would like some games console or something you know some, <laughs> some, they'd so they like to
0: chip in there that's probably not a good idea either
1: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> But yeah you know it's strange but sometimes the ring if it wasn't in the barn rack, it might be in the potato dish that was eaten that night so you've got a big like with all festivals you have a festive meal so the meal would be usually potatoes some sort of an apple or some nice berry dessert because you've got all your fruit in and i, I know i know with lovely cream and uh, So yeah, so that is that they would have eaten the meal, then they would have had the cake and then your future would be told. But other times people also just laid out blindfold games. So they played games where you put out maybe three saucers and then the first saucer, which is small little bowl, in the first bowl, it would be water. The second one might be some grain or a coin and the other one might be some clay or earth and, you know, and the thing was, you switch all the bowls around and you have to put out your hand and feel for which into one of those bowls. And if you put your hand in the clay, what do you think is going to happen?
0: I think you're going to be dead.
1: Exactly. <laughs> Within the year, you're dead. And Very morbid. The next thing, if you put it into the grain or the coin, of course, you'll have wealth and you'll your grand, nice. yeah and then the one with water would have been emigration you're going to go overseas oh, nice. and that would have been so much for us i suppose as an island community i suppose that's yeah as an island you're gonna go away but as we were saying you know and there might be another bowl with a ring in it you know but really that makes sense that There was a sense. lot of yeah there was a lot of other ones about that, I, that i'm night. assuming
0: this is mostly played by people who aren't married those games yeah
1: exactly yeah yeah younger kids and and even when I was younger any time I peeled an apple which would be with my mom she was really good at peeling an apple where she'd get the really really long ribbon of peel of skin and and if you threw it over your shoulder it was meant to make a letter and whatever letter it was was the initials of the man you're going to marry you know
0: I think it I symbolized wealth in Denmark or something. If you if you were able to do it, it was uh, it was a sign of luck. I think I remember my grandmother telling me when okay. I was a long yeah. time ago. That I'm not yeah. completely certain on that.
1: No, so I suppose there's a lot of things where you put something on your under your pillow and you're going to dream of the man you're going to marry or the woman, or you kind of like you go out to the cabbage field and you go with the blindfold and you pick something. And whatever size you get, it's kind of indicative indicative of the man you'll marry. If it's a big head and or if it's got a long root on it, it just means whether he's going to be big and strong or you know, and will have lots of money and wealth attached to him or you know,
0: Super looking um, like a cabbage as well.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's not not it's funny. Um, and then I suppose there's little things like. You put under, you put in the fire maybe hair clippings or nail clippings, and you'll you'll dream of the person. And um, so I suppose that's a, you when you think about that that time period. So what we said, what this instarice time, this kind of liminal time. So that idea of foretelling the future and divining what your future might be. So that's very important around that time. And um, and then. You know, in the museum, I said we had the the rings, but we also have bone apple cores. We, bo, you know, we've lovely things for we chestnut necklaces made out of ne- necklaces made out of chestnuts or rose hips and things that children would make because but there's an abundance
0: of things. But that's a good idea for something people can do this year to kind of have yeah. and an, a bit of an Irish inspired Halloween is to go out and, and make a necklace out of
1: out of rosebuds and, and
0: chestnuts. Yeah. They used to make chestnut animals as well when I was a child.
1: Yeah. Well that's good. And we would have a thing called Conkers, which is a game where you get two big chestnuts and they they'd be on a string. And basically you'd be a bit like a catapult, but you two boys would kind of try to bang each other's conquer their um their chestnut off the string and whichever one broke was the other one was the yeah, victor. One you know, out so. of
0: this, yeah. Out of the shell. Yes. No. Yeah. I don't, no. I've never actually tried that. Yeah. I'm assuming you do it with the uh, impure not with conker, the not 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 the one you eat.
1: Yes. Yeah. It's the really hard one. Yeah. yeah. So um. So that's what they would, and um, and it would take a long time to string your conkers. I mean, these things when children had lots of time, you know, it would take a long time to kind of burn a pin through it to get a string through it and. You oh,
0: know, that's a, that's a good tip through uh yes. burn a pin get it through, yeah. It's a good tip. Yeah.
1: and how, um, how about pumpkins? Um, I-
0: is that is that irish oh, or is that an american thing
1: no it's definitely american for the pumpkin because we didn't have it as a crop but the idea yeah. of the pumpkin as a lantern comes from ireland definitely um and we've we've won on display um and it's well it's not a real pumpkin because it came in in 1943 to the national museum and it it before it shriveled and died <laughs> and decomposed um, we made a model of it. I wasn't around at the time, thank God. But 43, and uh, it it was a model of what was the type that it was made. And I was talking to and some... what was it made of? It. it was made of a turnip. A, a turnip. turnip. Okay. And sometimes we have very large potatoes, and people use them for um, making them. So
0: a Probably a bit easier for us tubular. to get than turnips, to be honest.
1: Yes, yes. I mean, but turnips are harder in terms of the flesh to kind of, um, to to cut. But pumpkins, yeah, pumpkins are kind of easy. And I suppose they're safer for kids to be cutting with a knife. So at the moment, although people, I met people recently, and even I did a radio interview the other day, and the man had remembered, the presenter remembered he always carved turnips because there weren't anything else to carve. But nowadays, We've got the Tescos, the Aldis, the Littles, and now there's like pumpkins everywhere, you know. You could have as many pumpkins and carve them and lanterns. So it's almost like we sent away the tradition. So Irish people would have emigrated with that tradition. But when they get to North America, the pumpkin is, is easier at hand, you know. And, and it's very um, easy
0: to carve. and it, Yeah, yeah it's, exactly. It's a bit, it's a bit um, easier.
1: Yeah, and the reason why we had the lanterns, again, was to frighten people, you know, and people would have either left them in the window. And, you know, the pumpkin has a more, the pumpkin looks like a pumpkin, but the turnip can look a bit more skeletal, like a little skull. You know, it has a more oh,
0: skull. It can be more creepy. Yeah, yes, probably think more think it it's, is. Actually, when thinking, it's probably more of a realistic shape than a pumpkin, because a pumpkin is very round, whereas a turnip is a bit more elongated. Well, some of them yes. are. Yes. So, oh, it's a bit uh, more realistic. So I yeah. guess that's, uh, that's a top tip. If you, if you wanna make a, a scary uh, lantern, jack-o'-lantern, then you should do one with a turnip. I know. Or, or a potato.
1: Yeah, and the idea of the jack-o'-lantern, like jack of the lantern, I mean, it comes from a legend where Jack is kind of, and a lot of stories it's a bit like at halloween a lot of the stories are that people invoke the the devil for help or something and and as a result they they sell their soul almost you know and um and that's kind of what happened to jack you know he was kind of he was in between god and the devil and then And then he couldn't go either way. So it's like he was forced then to roam the countryside with just the the light of his lantern for all eternity. He'll never he'll just be the wanderer. But jack-o'-lantern, the legend would be also that he he might lead people astray. So if you were out, you might think you see a light, but if they're leading you to danger. So it's the or it's a bit like, yeah, ships been led to danger by the maidens, you know, singing or whatever. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of jack-o'-lantern could be blamed on a lot of those things where you're out at night and you do think you're lost, you see a light, but it could be a jack-o'-lantern and it could be a negative thing. So they, these lanterns, you, you carve out your turnip and and then you put a light inside it. It could be a small candle or it might be embers from the fire and you put it on the windowsill or you might leave it somewhere scary, like at the, the gateway house or maybe you might even put it at the, the graveyard just outside the graveyard so that would look really scary and anyone who's coming along you'd be waiting you'd be waiting to scare somebody that would be the reason Fair
0: enough. i mean that, you, that sounds very Halloweeny. still so.
1: yeah and also putting it on a stick maybe and going from house to house and showing it that would be probably it you know um, and that so funny. that's kind of yeah so we would have used potatoes and turnips for that and then we would have had bonfires. And sometimes I think there's a tradition in sort of, of why do people have fires even in pagan times? And I think there's a connection to the sun and that light of the sun. It's, even if it's it's fire, it's bringing brightness and light. And even if you go to the main bonfire, quite often you, have, you take away a little bit of the fire to your own house, bringing that light, community light, you know, so... Communal yeah. bonfires were yeah. very important, yeah.
0: Makes sense. And
1: Makes Yeah, it does. And and kind of bringing that brightness, even though it's just a piece of fire, it's still bringing the, the hope of light, and especially at a very dark time. So people would say, were the bonfires there really to scare away the dead? I don't think so. I think people embrace the dead. I think it's all part of that celebration of life and continuity of life and that the the other world is there but also everything's about protection in the calendar year you know it's all about thanksgiving protection you know have a bonfire celebrate you know so that's what we would have the bonfires and and then of course we've wonderful masks in the museum and that's that idea of going around from house to house and most of our masks they aren't the plastic things that nowadays they're kind of made out of I don't know if you used flour bags, but flour bags were fabric bags that flour came in. And people invariably used them to make everything and anything. In fact, the flour companies... Yeah, the flour companies decided that they knew people did this. So they actually would have Put a dye on them that easily washed off, you know, the name of the the company so that people would be able to use them. So our our Halloween masks, a lot of them are made from flower bags. And then people have used fiber to make kind of scary eyebrows and you know, cut the holes out for the eyes, cut a one for the mouth. We have another one where they've sewn a nose thing in, but most of the time they'd use sort of sheep sheep's wool might be used to make the furry the kind of fuzzy eyebrows and maybe a moustache or something um. and we've got we've got one over there that came in from Wicklow 50, 60, 1956 so it's a long time ago and it's got a, ha, coconut fibers that make up the eyes and make up the moustache and I'm just quite amazed at how exotic that was 70 years ago yeah was, definitely you know, you know so and how do you get enough coconut fibers they had loads of them so even nowadays i looked at the coconuts in the supermarket last night and they weren't that hairy maybe hairier coconuts existed
0: before yeah that's a good question or or people had a lot of time to uh sit and (laughs) be very thorough with that but that's lovely But that's yeah. that, that, that's simply a load of traditions that people then can can go out and and use to oh, celebrate yeah. a Halloween this and possibly it. make it a bit more Irish.
1: Yeah, and the nuts are really the seasonal thing. And the we eat a lot of potato. And there's a colcannon is a dish where you've mashed potato, a bit of cream in it, and maybe you'd put some um, spring onion in, and maybe some cabbage, and that would be. That would be a very popular meal around now if anyone wanted to try that. There okay, you have, there you have
0: it. S- you have your uh, Halloween evening meal there.
1: Yeah, and the other thing is, if you're out and about, the other people that might be out and about besides the ghosts of the dead might be the um, the fairies, because there was an idea that the fairies. I know you have elves, and you have, have a elves.
0: Terribly which, lot of uh, elves and fairies in the Nordics, yeah yeah in Denmark Sweden and, and Norway and Finland and Iceland
1: and and you know how they have the good ones and the bad ones so <laughs> you know there's kind of that's the sort of thing we would have like quite happy with the fairies but we kind of let them do their thing and they let us do but they were up to mischief if anything if you put something down and it wasn't there sure of course the fairies had taken it if you threw something outside your door if you threw water outside Before you'd throw it, you'd be warning them. And people didn't build a house without setting down markers to say, I'm going to build here because in case it was on a fairy path. And, you know, if, if the first sod was moved or the first brick was moved, then it's obviously the wrong place, you know. So there's a great belief in the fairies and these supernatural creatures. But generally, there was a belief that the fairies were moving from their summer quarters, their summer houses, to their winter dwellings, which usually were in mounds, like, you know, kind of sort of little hill mounds that yeah, are, yeah, yeah, or yeah, circles, yeah. and you know, so, so they could be on the move that night as well. So you wanted to protect yourself from them. So
0: it was really you a wanted... night of transition then.
1: Yes, definitely. Summer winter, and the
0: poop- fairies going yeah. about, the dead coming to visit. And
1: exactly. In general, a lot um, of people
0: going out about and pranking people.
1: I know. And the puka then was the other thing, which is kind of that mischievous kind of he's a he's kind of a a ghostly figure, a spirit. But he's up to kind of no good. But he might take you on a he might come in the form of a, a wild stallion or a wild little foal or something. And he might sweep you up off your feet, especially if you're coming home with a few drinks on you from the pub if you're slightly drunk then you definitely could bump into the puka and have a wild night and he'll run you around the whole place but then he'll drop you back where you were left off so
0: that's that's (laughs) at least nice that sounds like an adventure out
1: (laughs) exactly so that's the puka and i think ireland has now a puka festival for halloween um in the east But yeah, so I suppose that kind of covers a lot of our traditions and just that going from house to house, we call that going in disguise or guising just to frighten people. And, and the other thing I meant to say was that, you know, all of our pagan festivals, a bit like Saint John's Eve is, you know, it's near enough to a solstice. It's near enough to something that pagans were celebrating anyway. So, all of the Christian festivals are often put down at exactly the times where people were celebrating anyway. And so, mm-hmm. the Christian Church have put the first of November as the Feast of All Saints. So the the saints are the haloed ones or the ha- holy ones. So they've mm-hmm. got a halo and Halloween. So and The word Halloween comes from halo or hallowed, which is holy. And that makes sense. And so doesn't it? And the evening is e'en, is evening. So it's the evening before the holy ones and the hallowed ones. So that's where we get halloween and and then that's really handy. Because that's kind of the Catholic Church putting a holy day there. But the thing was, they realised we better do something about the dead here, so we might as well put the second of November as the feast of All Souls, so all of the dead. And now throughout Europe and throughout so many cultures, the Day of the Dead, you know, you know, is is very strong as a tradition. So, mm. so that is something I suppose that is still the remembrance throughout Europe. Of, the, of your de- departed ones through November is a really strong tradition anyway. I mean, it mightn't be Halloween, but remembrance of the dead is very strong in the wintertime. I know that a lot of countries would have these lanterns for putting on the graves around this time. There's a lot of attendance to graves in November, you know? So, right. do you do that in Denmark? We have, you we have
0: um, El Helgen's Aften, um, which is basically All Hallows' Eve. So we have okay. something similar, very similar, but I mean, it makes sense. We were all uh, Christian once um, and then again, we were all also different uh, religions before that. So there were a lot of, uh, of them that have influenced each other and we can definitely, I can definitely see um, past being crossed, especially with a lot of Vikings going to Ireland. They might have yes. brought something to you and you definitely probably brought something back for us. That's so well,
1: very yeah, interesting. I suppose so. It'd be very nice. I mean, like Halloween is just one of our festivals. We have St. Bridget's Day, which is the 1st of February and the welcome of spring. And that's throughout Europe as well, associated again with goddesses. And I'm sure, is it the goddess Hela? There's some other gods in Nordic traditions that actually would be, and gods associated with death and goddesses. So, I mean, I think, there, I think it's in there. I think we're all probably going back to some sort of more join time where we were all believed in that sort of thing around the darkness and light definitely
0: the transition lights yeah.
1: yeah and look it was really nice to talk about and i hope some of your visitors would come and see our folk museum um and we're here in county mayo so sometime they'll they'll be able to see all our traditions
0: That would, i mean i'm definitely going there next time i get the chance I need yeah, to see those masks. That. I really want to see those uh, those different masks that you uh, mentioned. But that was great. Yeah, thank you so so very much for uh, volunteering all your massive knowledge about Halloween. And I'm sure that people will be inspired to go out and and create something that's a bit more maybe traditional, maybe more Irish, or maybe you know if you know someone with a, a horse and cart, disassemble it and put <laughs> it in between their gate. That sounds hilarious. I'd do that if I knew anyone with one.
1: It was lovely talking to you Goodbye Peter, thank you
0: Thank you very much Claudia